Welcome, party people. Make some noise. Seth Kane's in the house. Jump, jump for joy. There's a party over here. A party over there. Wave your hands in the air. How's it going? This is the Sneaky Emu, episode number 30... something. Uh, and... Uh, I, I may have forgotten one. I may, I, I thought I had one that I had loaded up and I didn't. So please forgive me if I forgot one from last week. It was totally unintentional and I apologize. Please forgive me. I accept your forgiveness. So, uh, this is episode something or other. Uh, and I wanted to call this the beauty of the butterfly and the beauty of you. Something like that. Um, obviously, you know that. You've clicked on it. But this is Sneaky Emu, where we are all about discovering the wonder, the beauty of the divine that is ever before us, all around us, that sometimes we overlook and fail to see. Uh, Mom, thanks for listening. <sighs> yeah, how's it going? You guys doing all right? Good to hear from you. Good to see you. Not see you. This is a medium that is void of visuals, but I am glad that you are here. So this whole thing really started uh, a couple couple weeks ago. I have an aunt. Her name is Christine. Aunt Christine. I don't even know if she listens, but if she does, hi. How's it going? She lives up in a small town in a place in southern Illinois, um, and uh, she teaches a small group at her church, and they just got done with some stuff, and she's looking on teaching some new stuff, and she calls me up from time to time and, and asks a few questions, and we have some really great talks. And she said, I don't know why, but in the middle of the night, this, um, I had this picture of a butterfly, and the picture of the butterfly spoke something, it stirred something within me, uh, and I want to do a lesson on a butterfly. Um, do you have any thoughts on that? <laughs> So I rambled off a few ideas and then I jotted down some notes and then I sent it back to her for her to teach. And she said she had a great class based on some of the stuff I said. So I thought, you know what? That's a podcast. I just created a podcast and I didn't even know it. So now you get to hear the ramblings, if you will, the teachings of, uh, of my Aunt Christine's making. Um that uh, a small group somewhere in Southern Illinois is participating in. Sound good? Great. So her whole idea started with this butterfly, uh, which of course led me uh, to the whole idea of transformation. Uh, in Romans 12, 2, there is uh, something that Paul writes where he says, Romans 12, verse 2, you may be familiar with this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, obviously, there's a whole bunch of stuff in this passage. Um, but the part we're going to focus on uh, is this transform part. Do not conform to the patterns of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, a lot of times this kind of gets used with the idea of like, you know, we're not going, Christians aren't going to behave like the evil people of the world. So therefore, we are not going to swear, drink, curse, or smoke, 
swearing and cursing is the same thing. Uh, we're going to save, uh, you know, things for marriage. We're going to live in a different sort of way because we don't want to step into those evil patterns. Okay, I get it. But there's also a whole bunch of stuff like um, underneath this. Do not conform to the pattern of the world. Okay, great. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, this is what triggered my mind when it came to her butterfly vision thing. Uh, the word for transformed in the Greek text is the word metamorpho. Metamorpho, which is where obviously we get the word metamorphosis, which is how I tied it into the butterfly. So metamorpho, metamorpho in the Greek um, means change, transfigure, or transform. Okay. Also, if you break the word in, into two, it's two like root words. You have meta, which means after, and morphe, which means form. So literally, the world the word is uh, after form or the form after. Right. Do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be changed, be transfigured, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Become the after form of what you currently are by the renewing of your mind. Right. This is where we get the word, our word metamorphosis, obviously connected to the butterfly, which is the word that we use to describe uh, any biological process through which an animal or an insect physically develops after birth or hatching, <coughs> which involves a relatively abrupt change in the animal's body structure through cell growth and uh, differentiation, right? So it's the, the caterpillar climbs into the cocoon, goes through the metamorphosis, and um, then becomes this beautiful butterfly. It's also worth noting um, that the word renewing in the Greek is anakinosis. I believe I'm saying that right, anakinosis, which means renovation or renewing. Uh, I, I kind of like this idea of renovation. What if you read that verse with the word renovation? Do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed, be transfigured, uh, become the form after that which you are by the renovating, by the renewing of your mind, by the renovating of your mind. Right? That that almost takes on a bit of a new a new concept, doesn't it? The idea of renovation something. Have you ever renovated anything? Um, I remember when I was in Nashville, I was helping a lady renovate uh, a couple of duplex she owned, and we completely redid the whole thing. Some walls were taken down, some uh, different walls were put up. There was this um, like rearrangement of the structure within the house, right? A lot of work goes into renovating sometimes uh, uh, something. Sometimes it can be messy. Um, it, it can it can be a, it's it's always a bit of a process. You ever done any home renovations? Uh, it's not something that happens immediately, right? First you have the demo part where you have to tear some things down, and then then you have like the rebuilding, reframing of that structure. It could take days, it could take weeks, months, depending on you know how how much you're renovating. It really is this whole long process, um, and it's only through the process of renovation that the kitchen or the bathroom or whatever it is you're working on. It's only through this renovation process 
uh, that those places get transformed into the new thing. And then if you've ever like finished a project like that, you step into that new kitchen, uh, to that new bathroom, to that new living room, whatever, you experience the after form. You experience the form after the renovation, after the renewing, which is this transformational process. Okay, the, caterp the caterpillar forms the chrysalis to do some renovation, to go through the process of metamorphosis. And it's only through this process of metamorphosis, of transformation, that it becomes the beautiful creature that it was intended to be. Now, the interesting thing here that Paul says is that this all has to do with your mind, right? Do not conform to the patterns of this world, which we usually take as like this behavioral thing, like the external response to how we live in the world. But he says the transformation, the renovation, the renewing um, comes from like, it, it starts with what's going on in your head. Now, in our minds is where all the problems lie, isn't it? Like, how do you think of yourself? How, how do you, are you good enough? Are you not good enough? Do you truly understand the self as a child of God? Do you continually question your relationship with your Heavenly Father? Uh, do you have a low self-esteem or a high self-esteem? How much of where you place yourself in the standings of your society is based in reality and how much how much of it is placed within it stems from the mind um the, the mind is such a powerful powerful thing uh there's been all kinds of studies that show the effects of the, the power of the brain even even um what was there was this thing i was watching the other day uh and it had it was primarily about the power of the brain and they were showing how um, what is it, the uh, phantom limb syndrome stuff? Are you familiar with any of this? Like when people, you know, war vets, people get in accidents, whatever, they lose uh, an appendage, a leg, an arm, a hand, or whatever, and then they will, that, that injury will have physically healed, and yet there is something in their mind that believes that it is it should still be there so they can, one, uh, feel as if it's still there, and two, the limb that's no longer there can in fact cause pain within the rest of the body. Well, there is no arm. There aren't all those connections have literally been severed. So all of that is coming entirely from the mind. Also, they found this really interesting thing where they would, uh, I forget, I'm sure there's a name for it, but essentially like if a guy was missing um, a hand, uh, an arm or something, and so he would, uh, they made this simple little device that involved a couple of mirrors and they would put their like arms into this little box thing that would have the mirrors in it. And so uh, one mirror would flecked off of one side to the other where the hand was missing. And then the brain would perceive that there was two hands instead of one. And it would, it would alleviate, alleviate, alleviate the pain that they were experiencing from a hand that wasn't there. <laughs> like, it's crazy how powerful the mind is. Think about um, any of your fears, your anxieties, your worries. How much of that stuff is dealing with stuff that's actually happening? And how much of that fear and anxiety and worry and stress is because of something that doesn't that hasn't yet happened or might not happen, right? What do you, 
what are you getting so worked up about? You have the stress, this fear about a thing in the future that hasn't actually happened yet. But your brain is so powerful, your mind is so powerful, and with its connection to the rest of your body, that it causes these physical, you can stress yourself out, which causes these physical effects within the self about something that is entirely in your brain. It, none of that stuff has happened, right? Whatever that thing is that you find yourself typically worried about. So when it comes to the value of self and when it comes to um, how, my, my self-perception, uh, a lot of the stuff is, is just happening in my brain. What does this person think about me? What does that person think about me? If I wear a certain type of clothes or drive a certain kind of car or uh, have a certain type of job, am I better or less than the person next to me? And then there's like this downward spiral, which then like it's just it's it's all connected. So um, when Paul says your transformation, your the form after. It comes with, it starts with the renovation of what's going on in your head. You have to remodel some of this stuff. You have to rethink, renew this. And it's not just like, it, it's really simple to take this and just go, oh, it's just about uh, don't conform to the pattern of the world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So, you know, just be, have a fresh take on something or do, do a lot more prayer. And then by the prayer, like the, there's a lot more stuff involved with this. Paul says it's all it, it's all starting in your head. This is where the change and the transformation of the self actually begins, um, right? And there, there's a lot of people that will you can get into like um, uh, like uh, like the mantras and stuff where you're like the like the uh, affirmations. Uh, and some people don't don't get into that. They don't buy into it. Um, but but I think there might be some merit there. Uh, because if my mind has the ability to see a limb that's not there and create a, a pain effect within my body, and if my mind has the ability to be, if, if I can trick my mind into pretending the limb is there and then not feeling the pain from the thing that isn't there, uh, maybe there's something to this, right? Uh, it's like my kids, when uh, they're going through something, or when they're having a bad attitude, or when they're just like, they wake up and immediately the whole day sucks. <laughs> like, I start to, I, I, I've started to do this thing <clears throat> where I just remind them that this bad day that, that you're having, it everything starts in your mind, right? Like, uh, my daughter, she wakes up, she can't find the right outfit, which is crazy to me because they wear school uniforms. There's only like three that you can wear, but one of them that in, uh, inevitably doesn't fit properly or it's got a stain or a wrinkle or, oh my gosh, the world is ending. And then then I can't find the right hair ties and my hair won't do what it wants. And mom's not awake yet to do my hair, so the world is falling apart. And, and sometimes I just have to say, hey, 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 you're like creating a whole world of stress and problems over things that are relatively small. All of that worry and fret or whatever you're dealing with right now, it's all a product of the stuff that's happening in your brain. So let's take a breath. Let's recenter. Let's refocus. Let's renew our mind. Let's rearrange the furniture. Let's rearrange the walls in some of this and be able to see that these aren't the like these monumental earth-shattering, life-changing problems, 
These are simply like minor obstacles that we can easily navigate. And sometimes, not always because they're kids, but sometimes when I take the time to actually walk them through that, you can see like the process begin to change. Um, what's interesting about uh, what Paul says about this whole thing starts in, in the mind, um, I find it very fascinating when you begin to, um, when you look at like what Jesus says are the two greatest commandments. And in Matthew 22, verse 37, uh, it says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. So Jesus says, love God with all your mind. Paul says it's the renovation of the mind that leads to transformation. Right. So it's going to be uh, difficult for me to love God with the entirety of myself, with my mind even, if part of my mind is busy loving something else, loving the self, loving my stuff. If, if I dedicate um, pieces of my thinking uh, to things other than loving God, if I dedicate it to uh, worrying about you know my finances or stressing out about uh, the, my relationship with my kids, like if I, if I split, actually there's a, um, oh gosh, I, I don't want to mess this up, but there's a, I think the word for worry, in the Greek text, I forget what the actual word is, but I think it it um, comes back to the idea of having a divided mind. And so the idea when it comes to worry is you ha you have a split brain, and and so you're not focused on one thing; you're you're focused on many things. And so if Jesus says, "Love the Lord your God with all your mind," but yet then my mind is split, and I'm I'm focused on the things I can't control or the things that I think might happen or, you know, whatever, all the problems, then I am not of one mind, which then causes me to worry, right? And so so maybe there's this connection here through all of this about loving the Lord your God with all your mind, about the focus of keeping my thoughts on the things of God and therefore removing that aspect of worry, which then as Paul would say, would bring the renewal of the mind, which then would bring the transformation of the self. Because if my mind has been renewed right, by, by the lack of worry, by keeping a unified mind, by focusing on the one thing that is the love of God, then it removes that worry, that stress uh, that I've been focusing on, and then allows my behavior then to begin to change, which means that I have now transformed myself, transformed my being, transformed my actions in that moment, for that day, whatever, be through this renovation and renewing process. Oh, that's, that's pretty good stuff right there, people. That's some pretty good stuff, if you ask me. Um, Paul says it's the renovation of the mind that leads to transformation. Uh, now, let's think, about, let's think about for a second... Uh, even maybe take this a step further, like what happens after the caterpillar goes through the transformational processes, 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 um, I, I, cause I find this is, this is really interesting as well. Um, the caterpillar goes through this metamorphosis, right? It goes into the, uh, chrysalis, it emerges as this beautiful butterfly, and then 
what does the butterfly do? It's all very basic, simple stuff, right? Just just hang in there, because hopefully this will, this will be good. So the butterfly, once it dries its wings and takes off for its first flight, the butterfly begins to look for some sort of nourishment, doesn't it? It flits around, it flies around, it's a beautiful sort of thing to watch. People create entire gardens dedicated to butterflies, um, where they, they, they just kind of like frolic. Is that a good word for a butterfly? A butterfly frolics? Although you think of frolicking with like legs. But this is like flitting. It's flitting. Let's flit around. Um, the butterfly begins to look for nourishment. So it's flitting around <laughs> from flower to flower, uh, looking uh, to draw some nectar from the flowers in order to sustain itself. So as it's doing this, as it's looking, looking for the nectar in order to sustain its own self, it actually helps to pollinate the flowers from which it's seeking nectar. Right, so butterflies are pollinators by nature, and it's their search for food that brings life to them, and it brings life to the flowers around them. Right, like that's that's the purpose of having having uh, in Florida at least. Right, I have I have a thing of bees, a uh, couple couple hives of bees, and then we have a bunch of um, what do we have? We have like these. Uh, they're called plumbagos. My wife calls them plumabagos. And every time she says the plumabagos are have a whole lot of flowers on them, I say what? <laughs> if she's listening, which she may or may not ever do, uh, they're called plumbagos. Uh, but they create these like really pretty bluish, violetish flowers, and it's kind of a bushy thing. But those things attract butterflies like nobody's business, and so those butterflies flit around. And then they help to pollinate the other flowers, and then which in turn helps to also pollinate my garden and all kinds of wonderful things. Um, so if you continue through the rest of that chapter of Romans, where Paul says, don't conform to the patterns of the world, be transformed by the renewing, the renovation of your mind, you see something else really interesting, okay? Uh, I'm going to read through this section uh, and just kind of stay with me. There's a ton in here, but it's really just for like one point, okay? So this is Romans chapter 12, verse 3 uh, through 20. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we though many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts, according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Verse 9, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be, hope, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, sharing with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Oh, that's a big one, by the way. 
Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. That's another huge one. There is so this, this passage should be a message itself. Uh, live at peace with everyone, unless it's an issue of involving masks. <laughs> then, then have your opinions and tell people what you don't like about their opinions. Uh, sorry, verse nineteen. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, It is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not over be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Okay, yes, that was a lot. There was a ton of stuff in there. There's like a million other messages that we could pull out of this. But what there's like this underlying thread here that I find really interesting. Paul says, be transformed by the renewing or the renovating of your mind. And then the rest of that chapter, that whole thing we just read, seems to have something to do with how we should live or what it looks like to live after the transformation, right? And what was the word metamorpho? Uh, the after form, the form after, right? Be transformed through the renovation, the renewing of your mind, and then there's this whole list of what that after form looks like. You've gone through the process of metamorphosis, through the change, through the transition, because you have renovated the workings, inner workings of your mind, and now the result is here's how you live. Here's how you should use your gifts, that they should be a benefit to others. And, and then you look at that list of everything. Be devoted to one another. Be joyful in hope. Practice hospitality. Share with those in needs. Bless those who persecuted. Uh, come alongside those people who are rejoicing and mourning and take on what they're carrying. Live in harmony. Do you see all this stuff? This, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. This is the result of the transformation. This is, you've come out of the cocoon, you know, the chrysalis, you've gone through the process of transformation, and this is the beautiful butterfly who is now flitting around from flower to flower, right? After the transformation, the butterfly goes from flower to flower, transferring pollen between all of them, which is to aid in the benefit of the flowers that they come in contact with, right? Oh, so this is all like, do you see how this is all coming together? After we go through this process, we become the, you are a beautiful butterfly. <laughs> I don't care what your friends say about you or your boss says about you. You, my friend, are a beautiful butterfly. Um, Paul says, after the transformation, use your gifts to love one another, to share hospitality, feed the hungry. Maybe we could think of the people around us like flowers, that we are the butterflies floating around from flower to flower to help bring them what they need to flourish, right? That our actions will actually become beneficial to those who are around us, to those who are in need. 
just like the beautiful butterflies that pollinate my plumabagos, <laughs> says my wife. <laughs> the plumbagos. Um, which actually, really, if you think about it, if, if you keep going with this, do you see how this is like all like hyper interconnected here? If you keep going with this, um, this actually kind of brings us back to the teachings of Jesus about the greatest and second greatest commandment. Because the first greatest commandment, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. The second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. Which isn't that exactly what that second part of Romans chapter 12 that Paul writes about? Isn't that what that is? Isn't that what you would be doing if you actually applied these teachings of Paul? What were they again? Be devoted to one another. Practice hospitality, live in harmony, don't be proud, uh, don't be conceited, don't repay evil for evil, be careful, I mean, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. I want my, I want to love my neighbors this way and I want my neighbors to love me this way. Do not take revenge, right? Um, it, it's, it's all, it's all kind of connected to this whole passage in Romans is really like the, expounded view, expounded version of the first and second greatest commandments according to Jesus. Right? So like Paul says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And in doing so, the result will be living in a way that is of service and benefit to those around you. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. And the word that's used for transformed is the word for metamorphosis, which is the word that we use to describe the process of change that a butterfly goes through, to be uh, that a caterpillar goes through to become a beautiful butterfly, and then goes out to pollinate the flowers around it. Oh, that's that's pretty good, isn't it? I mean, I think so. And even what's what's cool about this is. When I was talking with my aunt, I made I had the realization because she was saying she, the situation she was in was where she wasn't feeling like she was enough to teach the group, right? Like she was experiencing this uh, certain amount of self-doubt in what she was doing and what she felt like she had been called to do and couldn't wasn't there somebody smarter? Wasn't there somebody who had this better figured out? Or wasn't there somebody that could communicate better? And she even went to the place to the point of, of talking to a group and saying, oh, I just don't know if, if this is like for me, if I'm the one that should be doing this because I, I don't, I am not, I don't think that I'm good enough to be the one doing all of this. To which her group said, no, 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 we need you. We need you to keep helping. We need you to keep doing this. And so immediately it became a connection for her as well that, um, that this, this whole lesson about the butterfly that was in her mind was actually a perfect like parallel to who she was and to her life and to what she was doing, right? Uh, she was the one that needed to go through the renovation process of her mind, to be transformed by the renewing of her mind, that she would go through this process of metamorphosis, of change, of transition, um, of transformation, so that she could emerge as the butterfly. And by emerging as the butterfly, if she could get to the point of, of moving beyond um, the 
of, of moving beyond not seeing the value of the self, then she would become the butterfly and then help to pollinate the flowers around her. That is the people in which she was leading the group for. So, <laughs> interestingly enough, she became the lesson. Uh, she became the perfect example for the lesson that we created that started with a vision that she had about a butterfly. <laughs> I mean, come on. Is that, that's good, right? That's so, so good. So maybe the question is for us, like, maybe the question for you, for me, is what, what are the things that are in our minds that are preventing us um, or are holding us back? What are the things that we that maybe we default to uh, areas of our lives that we don't think we're good enough or areas of uncertainty or areas where uh, we are weak or maybe vulnerable um, if, if we're really honest with ourselves about it like areas that I don't think I, I struggle with am, am I am I uh, am I being a good enough father to my kids am I am I spending too much time um, on my own things rather than spending time with like just enjoying the moment with my kids. I struggle with um, even even in what I do as a career for a living, uh, which I, I feel a good sense of confidence in. I like doing what I do, but there's many days where I just go, man, there's there's so many more people who are way smarter than I am out there who can communicate way better, who can put structure and form and heart and mind behind their words in such a better way than I can. And, and if I'm not careful, I, I can easily allow those thoughts to get the best of me, right? But wouldn't that, wouldn't that really be conforming to the pattern of the world? Like, we have the tendency to think that conforming to the pattern of the world, like I said, has to do with, oh, well, I'm just not going to drink and smoke and curse. Um, but what if it's like bigger and deeper than that? What if, what if the pattern of the world is a pattern that continually defaults to I'm not good enough, right? Because isn't maybe, maybe the pattern of the world is playing the comparison game, um, Am I living? Am I living up to the standards of the people around me that I hold myself like in the similar circle of friends? Um, am I on Facebook and social media continu continually comparing my life to the lives of the people that get to travel a little bit more, or wear better outfits, or have nicer houses, or whatever? Right? Maybe that's the pattern that we should be more concerned with. And then when you realize what Paul says, the transforming by the renewing of your mind. That's really where it starts. That maybe I don't buy into that game. I don't want to play that game anymore. I, I want to start from a place of confidence and security in understanding that my identity is completely tied to the one who created me. I want to start from a place that I understand that first and foremost, I am in fact a child of God. Therefore, anything that I do is not something that I do to achieve something else. I'm not trying to become a better minister, a better father, a better husband for the sake of proving something to somebody else. I'm trying to improve myself because, uh, because I am a child of God 
and I want to to express that in a way that is more in line with who God is. God is loving. God is creative. God is nurturing. God is kind. God is forgiving. God is merciful. So I want to pursue those measures. I want to I want to transform my mind, rearrange my mind, the the constructs of my mind in such a way that I have that I operate off of the base of a foundation that says I know who I am and where I've come from. And so then anything I do, anything that I pursue then is not an attempt to gain notoriety, fame, identity, it, not, a, not an attempt to gain meaning and purpose. My meaning and purpose has already been secured. So then therefore I am free to continue to grow and explore and try new things because I have this foundation in which I am sure of. I think that's pretty good. That's pretty good. So maybe maybe for you, maybe for me is uh, when we find ourselves uh, uns- insecure or when we find ourselves wrestling or we find ourselves being a bit depressed or when we find ourselves playing this game of comparison uh, and looking at all that we don't have in relation to the people that seem to do have, maybe the idea is I need to do a bit of renovation. I need to do a bit of remodeling in my mind and come to the place and understanding that I am first and foremost a creation of the divine. And when I can do that, if I can come to that place, then everything else is just like icing on the cake, right? When I understand that, I can be free to create a podcast and say crazy things. I can paint something and not care who likes it or doesn't like it. I can be secure in the identity of myself. And when I'm secure in the identity of myself, it allows me to help be of, I I can become a greater benefit to those around me. I can become the beautiful butterfly who helps pollinate all the flowers around me that need some pollination. So there you have it, my friends, the beautiful, the beauty of the butterfly, the beauty of you. You have been called to so much more. You have the ability to transform. You have the ability in all of your butterflyness to be the pollinator of goodness that you have been created to be. All right, my friends, family, mom, thanks for listening. This has been the Sneaky Emu, episode numbers. All right, I'm sending you all the love. I will talk to you later. Church and state. We're here to drink beer. We're here to kill war.